I need to see the world and I need to, while I can, do it in a body that would allow me to navigate this not so accessible world because having been disabled for practically my entire life, I was very, very aware of the places that I might not be able to enter. There's a habit for people to think that they have all the time in the world. It's like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next year, I'll do it next week. Like, there's always tomorrow to look forward to. But for me, I got a very early wake-up call. For me, before I met Jamal Care, like, I didn't have anyone that I knew who was disabled, who was young, who was black, who was having the experience that I was having. You being there is a powerful, starts a powerful chain reaction in a lot of ways, whether it's in people's hearts and minds or it's in structure. And so it is important that you are seen. Hi, my name is Kelly Edwards, and this is Let's Go Together, a podcast from Travel and Leisure about the ways travel connects us and what happens when you don't let anything stop you from seeing the world. As an African-American woman, Visibility in places that used to be off-limits to people like me is really important. From shipwreck diving to dog sledding in Alaska, to exploring the remotest islands on Earth, I'm going to do it. Even though growing up, I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me having these adventures. My guests this episode are on the same page. They're all about living out loud and being seen in a world that doesn't always know what to do with them. Jamake Abdullahi lives with the effects of childhood polio and gets around with the leg brace and crutches. But that hasn't stopped her from visiting over 30 countries, often solo, or swimming with sharks and jumping out of planes. Kim Oliver developed multiple sclerosis in her 20s and uses a wheelchair. She was still processing the changes in her level of mobility when Jamake arrived in her life. These girlfriends from London met on Instagram and soon became travel companions and collaborators. Or as Kim put it, Here comes Jamal Kerr sliding into my DMs after stalking me for a while. Yes, yes, I did like her photo because, you know, there's a certain etiquette to this, okay? Together, Jamake and Kim decided to create the representation they were lacking as Black, disabled women moving through the world. They make videos in a podcast together as the Triple Cripples. And no, there's no third member of the group. We'll get to that in a minute. I called them up to hear more about their experiences, traveling with disabilities, and much more. These two ladies are a riot, and you're going to love them. Now, together, you two host the YouTube channel and your podcast called The Triple Cripples. How did you come up with that name? And please tell us the meaning behind it. We were like, no one's going to listen if we're just like, oh, hey, we're going to call this black disabled girls because no one cares about black people. No one cares about disabled people and people definitely don't care about black girls. So we were like, we need something that is catchy, draws the attention, but also is something that we will be happy to put our names behind. And um, I think a message from on high came down and ignited both of us. It was like lightning striking. We were like triple cripples. And we both looked at each other and we were like, that's it. That's it. After laughing for ages. And we were like, <laughs> yes, that's definitely it. What's the meaning behind that? What is the triple in the cripple? Well, the triple within the cripple, shall we say, is to highlight the three layers of marginalization. So that's due to race, gender, as well as ability. 
it's about looking at these three differing intersections and the way that they affect our lives and those like us. Disability is rarely thought about, let alone considered. But then also when it is on the rare occasions that it is mentioned, it never comes in the form of us. It's usually white and it's usually male. And that's exactly what we were trying to change because we are the global majority. As women and people of color, Kim has multiple sclerosis. A condition that affects the brain and spinal cord, essentially. It's a neurological condition. And what happens with multiple sclerosis is that your immune system attacks itself, essentially, and attacks the lining to the nerves and attacks the spinal cord and parts of the brain because it mistakes the proteins for something that's dangerous. MS is a degenerative condition that shows up differently in each person who has it because the sclerosis, the scarring, affects various systems in the body that the brain is trying to reach. You never know where it's trying to send signals to and what's not going to work, right? And so... One of the things it's caused for me in terms of disablement has heavily affected my mobility. And so I I use a wheelchair for all mobility now. Jamake, who also answers to Jay, was born in Nigeria, where polio was still endemic until just a few years ago. She moved to London as a young child. I contracted polio before my first birthday when I was living in Nigeria. So it affects, generally it affects at least one of the four limbs. And for me, it affected both of my legs, uh, my left leg more so than my right leg. And it just means that there's less muscle in that leg. So I move about with a leg brace and two crutches. And unexpected side effect of this is my attitude towards life and my appetite to try and especially in terms of travel, because I was told when I was um, a teenager about post-polio syndrome, which is essentially where the disability becomes worse. So you become more fatigued, you become more tired, and certain things that you were able to do before you would no longer be able to. And that for me, it kind of lit a fire under me that, okay, I have to see as much of the world as I possibly can. Jay, you wrote on your blog that you travel not just to see the world, but so that the world can also see you. Can you tell me more about what you mean by that and why it's important? I thought that was pretty profound. I was very, very aware of the places that I might not be able to enter, the places where I would not be necessarily made to feel welcome, even if it's not said out loud. And again, this was before I had the language for it, but it wasn't important just for me to be able to see the world because everybody wants to go off to these far-flung destinations. But what I noticed while at home in London and any time that I traveled was the reaction of those around me as I was living what I thought to be my very everyday life. Me going about my business, going to work, using public transportation, going to the same tourist attractions as everybody else. There was a sort of weird congratulatory inspiration born all around it. It's like, wow, well done you. And for them, it was one, amazing to see somebody like me doing what they were also doing now. Was this because of race? Was this because of ability? I'm not sure. It might've been a, a mixture of the two. 
I mean, for black people generally, and it is unfair, whenever you step outside of your home, you are the representative for the entire black community. Tell me about it. Yeah. So if you do something good, you happen to do something good. But if you do something bad, you are all bad. It was a duty that I took upon myself to be kind of like an ambassador because it's all well and good, me being able to go to the Taj Mahal, but it's not enough for me to just be able to take these experiences and photos away, but just to leave this little nugget in people's minds, just literally by existing in this exact same environment as I am, because yes, they will still come up to me and give me the very ridiculous, you know, pat on the shoulder, well done. For Jamake, documenting her travels and sharing them online was a way to be her own representation in a world where she didn't see her experiences reflected. That resonated with Kim. Disability in general for people of color, uh, especially black people, is an isolating experience. And it is one where you have zero reference points for how you should experience life or what you should even receive. As a black person in general, when you're going through the system of life in a Western society, at least, you're dealing with racism, both institutionalized and interpersonal. You're dealing with overt and covert and all of these things. Um, but to a degree, you because it's universally understood and there are lots of black people around you, despite the fact that they're underrepresented in media, there's still representation. And also in your communities, in your families, you will have people that you can reference, right? Right. For me, before I met Jamalcare, like I didn't have anyone that I knew who was disabled, who was young, who was black, who was having the experience that I was having. In all of the hospital wards that, that I went into, no one looked like me. After Jamake and Kim connected on Instagram a couple of years ago, they generated the power of black girl magic squared. Stick around to find out where this unstoppable duo has gone. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. Kelly Edwards here. Welcome back to Let's Go Together from Travel and Leisure. I'm with the Triple Cripples, Kim Oliver and Jamake Abdullahi. They're all about blowing up assumptions about who belongs where in ways I can't help but applaud. I have to say that I share a similar experience with you, Jay. You know, I broke into the space in being the first black woman on the Travel Channel to have an adventure travel show because I got tired of looking at travel content and it being represented by white males and I'm like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) and it's just funny because it's also the same colonizers colonizing all over again because let's call it what it is absolutely and I always say I'm one of those people like 
I'm busting through the door, like kick through the door, waving the four four, and I'm not like not literally, guys, but yeah. uh, you know, referencing a rap song for those of you you know who don't know. Yes, I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm like you. You're gonna let me in this space because you're not. I'm gonna do things that you don't typically you thought we didn't do and I'm going to do it so well that you have no choice but to eventually pay attention to me and then when I get in that space I'm going to kill it and so I completely understand where you're coming from when you're like listen representation absolutely matters there is something powerful about that about people seeing you in a space where people like you don't exist in that space it makes people make certain considerations because they've probably never thought about it do you know what I mean and so you being there is a powerful, starts a powerful chain reaction in a lot of ways, whether it's in people's hearts and minds or it's in structure. And so it is important that you are seen. Thank you. On your podcast, you discussed how you've been received as a black woman traveling with different disabilities. Jay already touched on that. Kim, would you care to share? I think sometimes people just think, OK, yeah, all disabled people are the same and we're not. I'm a six foot one uh, big woman for all intents and purposes. I don't fit the archetype of what a small waif like feminine woman would be in the West. Right. I have natural hair. And yes, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. So you are a vision. Good goodness. I like that. Okay. <laughs> for, for me, though, yes, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. My blackness is very, very apparent. And, you know, in a place where being big and black is seen as being a threat, um, is seen as being dangerous, is seen as being antagonistic. I'm a black woman, therefore I'm just, I'm supposed to be loud and um, cantankerous and all of these things they associate, those stereotypes they associate with black womanhood, which even if they were stereotypes, let's say even if they weren't stereotypes, they would be well, well founded. Like there, there's, there would be reason to be those ways, but they are stereotypes because that's not, nobody walks around 24 seven screaming, shouting, fighting, and just causing problems for other people. That's just generally not what happens in life, but that is the perception that people have. So before you even open your mouth, they've already decided who you are, how they're going to treat you and what you deserve. On the one hand, um, I'm this big black woman with big breasts and big thighs and all of this. So I'm, I'm yes, I'm, I'm a threat, but I'm also hypersexualized, right? And then the other, on the other hand, I'm disabled, which is infantilized, ignored, and often in a lot of cases, kind of um, neglected. So you put those together and you enter any situation and you become the big black dangerous thing that I'm going to ignore and I'm going to, you know, um, disregard and possibly disrespect, but at the same time in a way that nobody will know because no one's paying attention, right? It means that when I am traveling, um, despite having adjustments made to allow me to travel, so I'm still treated with less, I'm afforded less care and concern than my white counterparts, way less. Whereas they usually kind of push around my white counterparts, they will say, well, you push yourself and I'll carry your hand luggage kind of thing and you push yourself. And wow. like we even, Jay and I had the experience where they didn't even send someone to help me get from the airplane to baggage um, claim and stuff like that. And they were just like, well, you'll be fine. Just push yourself like... And it was a long way. I was tired. I've got MS. Like I've got, I actually have fatigue. And so 
there is this, there's a huge difference with the way people interact with you. Um, for me, racism has become more amplified due to the condition, just because, whereas before, I think, because I was walking around this huge hulking goddess of a woman, like there's only so much people are willing to do overtly to let you know that you're not welcome. And I think in some ways I live vicariously through Jamoke's experiences. But when I've looked at all her pictures, I'm like, oh, wow, she did that. When I was on crutches, like I thought that I couldn't do anything anymore. I thought I couldn't go anywhere anymore. What were some of those examples of activities and pictures that you saw Jay doing? This girl was skydiving. (laughs) (laughs) She she was scuba diving, skydiving. Okay, can I just say one thing, like in terms of those photos and videos and everything else, it was not just um, Kim reacting that way. My parents were not best pleased having their solo traveling disabled daughter doing all sorts of things and then calling them after the fact that she had jumped out of a plane, just FYI. (laughs) When I was in um, South Africa, I went shark cage diving. I did skydiving and bungee jumping as well. And I would say of those three, I would never do bungee jumping again. Like at the risk of being uncouth, it felt like my stomach dropped through my ass. Like, oh no. <laughs> I'm never, I would never ever do that again. Jamalke made a video of her bungee jump from Blue Crans Bridge on the Western Cape, 700 feet above the river below. The staff helper gets strapped in and she flashes a nervous grin. While the guys reassure her, she drops a few anxious F-bombs. All right. We came a long way, eh? Okay. All right. Look forward. There's the camera smile. <laughs> and then it's go time. We got you. We got you. You got me. The staff removed one crutch from her arm and then the other. Okay, wait, wait. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. Kiss on the side. Kiss on the outside. The longer you stand here, the harder you're going to make it down. No. Oh, my God. I don't know that I can do it. Okay, wait. Okay, let's just count for you. Three, two, one, budget. <laughs> A bungee jump, that's a misnomer. It was a bungee push. So, <laughs> yeah, I was screaming my little head off. So I'm glad that they made me do it. I believe it. I definitely want to know about that because that's definitely my speed. You both traveled together to Ghana. Can you tell me about that experience that you guys had there? Kim, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, it was a fantastic experience. It was quite a visceral experience as well, obviously being two black disabled people going into a space that, um, you know, we mentioned at the beginning that Triple Cripples tackles um, the stigma and taboo that surrounds being a black disabled person within our own communities as well. Most of the stigma and taboo surrounding disability that exists in certain places that have been colonized is a direct result of colonization. So we are going somewhere where the ideas that were left behind by colonizers are rampant because colonization, one of the best things about it is that it perpetuates itself. And so you've got years and years and years and years of something of just these ridiculous ideas being kind of written into the fabric of a culture. And they're really hard to get out because they've become ingrained, right? And so we've gone there and, you know, 
Ghana is a very beautiful place. Like just, it's sunny, it's humid, it's warm. The people are warm. There's no preservatives in the food. Oh, the food is fresh, <laughs> you know. They've yeah. got lovely beaches. They've got lovely, like their markets are just brilliant. Like they've got so many different things. They're just It's just a wonderful place to be. The way time passes there is like nowhere I, else I've been. The day passes at a leisurely pace. But in terms of accessibility, um, access isn't amazing in certain parts of the of the city that we were in we were in accra um access isn't that amazing like wheelchair access isn't amazing unless you're going to particular parts of accra so particular um establishments which are usually for people who have a bit more coin in their purse and also the other thing is you very rarely see disabled people at all in the city um and if you do uh they are at the traffic lights begging. And it's usually men. I think I saw personally two women, but they weren't at the traffic lights begging. They were sitting on the side of the road and their children or grandchildren or whatever were um, selling. Um, but other than that, you very rarely see like disabled people out. So Jamoke and I were anomalies in the space. We were. People everywhere we went, people were staring. It was completely different. And so it was a huge learning experience for us. Jay, did you want to add anything to that? I mean, I agree with everything that um, Kim said. The rare instances in which we were in the same space or in the same environment as other disabled Black people would be during the times where we would be on the road. So during like the time when the traffic was moving rather slowly, you would have people coming up and asking for something to be able to see them through the day. And um, what made it especially visceral for us was like we were coming into this space with, you know, a certain level of privilege was that our um, drivers would apologize to us, disabled black people within the car, about the disabled black people outside of the car as though they were disturbing us. And, and that's the power of privilege, is it not? Because a Aside from the pound, aside from the British passport, aside from the accents and aside from everything else that would mean privilege in this particular instance, we were one and the same. Like there was nothing really separating us, but now they were apologizing for people that they considered nuisances because they didn't want them, the people we were most like, to be honest, to disturb us. And that's why disability is not a monolith. Like there's rampant racism within the disabled community because blackness has been seen as this thing that is at the complete bottom, something that should be scorned. And when we think of blackness and disability, it is the antithesis of black excellence. We are a visual and rather uncomfortable reminder of what we were told that we should not be. Resilience. Yeah, resilience, but they don't like resilience in our particular form. This is right. broken resilience. This is something that we would rather not see. We want the excellent, we want the pretty, we want the shiny at the forefront. But let's be very honest with this. Like a lot of our ancestors actually looked like us because of the slave trade, because of what happened to them. Like a lot of our ancestors were disability representation and that was representation that was forced upon them. It's funny you know, listening to the both of you, an underlying tone that I get is cream, 
cash rules everything around me. And the fact that being in Ghana, even though you had disabilities that other people in the country also have and may have been seen with, but because the power of the pound, you were treated differently. And that is a whole other layer that honestly, I would have never even thought about. Um, Where do you want to travel next? Um, Well, okay. I have a couple of places. Now I would love to go back to Nigeria. Hopefully uh, next year, I would love to go back to Nigeria because I haven't actually been back. So that is an absolute must that I need to go back. And um, I'd like to go to Jamaica and then continue around the islands. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay, then we could talk later. But, you know, we, we can visit the islands, see what's up, say hello. So, yeah. I definitely want to go all over the continent of Africa. The first place I'd like to go is Zimbabwe. And then I'd like to go to Tanzania. Then I'd like to go to N- Namibia, Senegal, Mali, Sudan, Egypt. Yes. Um, and just everywhere. Uh, Sao Tome, I really want to go to Sao Tome and Cape Verde. But the thing is, like, for me, um, traveling is, yes, I, I love it. It's complicated just because of trying to make it, traveling accessibly is a bit expensive, but it's also very difficult to do because a lot of people don't know what accessibility is, right? So you can land somewhere, think you've booked all the right things, then you get there and you can't, you don't have anywhere to stay because actually there are 10 steps to get in and the doorways are too small and you can't have, there's no bathroom for you and all of this kind of stuff. So it gives me pause when I'm traveling, but I want to be wherever the diaspora are. Like my whole plan in life is to be like, go all over Africa, go all over the Caribbean, go all over South America, go all the way to like Australia and the Solomon Islands and all those places where black people exist, where we're hidden, right? To all the places we're hidden and just be like, I want to, I love culture and history. And I just feel like being able to see it myself and hear it myself and record it is my gift to the generations to come and is honoring my ancestors in a way that is tangible and leaves behind legacy because we are we are nothing without our history right and a lot of us live are born we die and our history our lives our stories are not preserved and part of the reason why triple cripples exists is so that we can record those stories and those narratives and we can say and we can stamp it you know in the annals of history say like we are here we were here we've always been here and we're going to be here so that is my presidential campaign thank you (laughs) vote for kim 2020 What can the travel industry do to be more accessible for travelers with disabilities? The first thing that I would say is that consult them so that they can know. (laughs) Because I think some of the... Well, here's your chance. Here's your chance to give, give, give some information. So some of the measures they have in place are for luggage and not for human beings, right? Because I think you need to come from the position that people with disabilities who travel are exactly that, people with disabilities who travel, as opposed to luggage that you need to make sure gets onto and off of a plane without you having any liability for damage, right? And so that means from the minute I get to the check-in desk, 
I should have the same opportunity that everyone else does to go to duty free. I should be able to access the facilities of the airport. I should be able to travel with dignity through whatever zones I need to travel to, to all the way to getting onto the plane, being seated on the plane. All of that should be I should have a dignified experience throughout all of that. There shouldn't be a case of, oh, well, you know, it's not our fault. So you just have to deal with A, B and C that are dehumanizing and humiliating. You shouldn't have to just have to deal with it because, oh, well, if you want to travel, you just have to live with this aspect of things. Like I should be able to have access to the facilities that everyone else has access to. And my presence is not an inconvenience because I'm paying Does that make sense? Like I'm still, I'm paying money. So it's, you're not accommodating me. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing for a paying customer who is paying for your service to transport them from one place to another. And so I think if we approached it with the idea that they are people, disabled people are people, then perhaps some of these provisions um, will be made and maybe alternative ways of thinking about how we travel will be made. I would like to add on to what Kim says about actually consulting disabled people themselves. You should um, pay for this because it's actually very valuable knowledge. So you would require somebody that has that lived experience. And if the travel industry is listening, the triple cripples provide these services. So holla. Thank you both so much. I really appreciate what you were able to, to pour into me the audience uh, for the time that we had. Thank you, ladies. No, thank you for having us. All right. Thank you. What a rich conversation. You can try to keep up with Jamal K and Kim, the Triple Cripples, on their podcast and YouTube channel. You can also find them on Instagram and Twitter at Triple Cripples and on the web at thetriplecripples.uk. That's all for this episode of Let's Go Together, a podcast by Travel and Leisure. I'm your host, Kelly Edwards. Thanks to our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Susie Armitage, Lena Beck-Sillison, and Cheryl Duvall. This show was recorded in Los Angeles, edited in New York City, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. You can find out more at travelandleisure.com slash podcast. You can find Travel and Leisure on Instagram at Travel and Leisure, on Twitter at Travel Leisure, and on TikTok at Travel and Leisure Mag. And if you're looking for me, I'm Kelly Set Go Everywhere. And that's Kelly with two E's on the end.